The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. But if y'all waiting on me to apologize, hell gonna oh, freeze. Wait. <laughs> How's everybody doing? It's another episode of the Points in the Paint podcast, as always presented by Stadium Stadium's number one NBA podcast, Ben Wittenstein. And of course, Zach Badgerhouse is in the house. Zach, how's the bracket looking for you? Oh, it's super busted. But I will say this. I got three teams in the Elite Eight. I have Houston, I have Gonzaga, and I have Baylor. So I have three of the eight at least. But I don't oh, have good. I don't have three of the Pac-12 teams. I should have had USC. I had USC going pretty far on one of my brackets. But I wish I would have had them a little further because I do like the Mobley brothers. They're pretty good. Yeah, they're fun. USC's good. Um, my bracket's gone. Got uh, three of my four final fours were done after week one. So <laughs> I'm just I'm just along for the ride at this point. <laughs> we appreciate everyone tuning in, too. Uh, you can find us wherever you find podcasts, uh, rate, subscribe, like whatever it's going to be. We're going to get some fun, fun guests lined up uh, as we head in towards playoff season. Zach, we're almost a playoff season. What we've got another month of basketball left until playoffs start. Probably about a month and a half or so. Yeah, we're excited. It, it's going to be a fun playoff run. Um, really, I mean, we could do a whole segment on this about how there really isn't a favorite at this point to win. Um, and I well, think, maybe. Well, maybe. maybe. And I, let's see. Let, you know what? That leads into our story of the week. A top story tonight. That is a perfect, <laughs> perfect segment to the story of the week, because the story of the week this week, Zach, what in God's name is going on with the Brooklyn Nets? What what's going on with them? What are they doing? Because they're we know doing they're too just much. <laughs> yeah, they're doing a lot. Um, and it may be too much because they're just hauling all the players that they can. Blake Griffin, and now this past week they got Lamarcus Aldridge off the buy-in bio market. They are just hoarding as many past All Stars and superstars as they can. Yeah, you put in the pre the pre show that they have 41 total all-star appearances on their roster. That is beyond insane. That's too That's too many. And people can say, oh, well, Blake Griffin's past his prime. Look here. He didn't dunk for the Detroit Pistons for like 400 days. His first field goal was a dunk. You think that didn't upset Detroit Pistons fans? Absolutely. And then he had 17 points the other night. So they, he obviously can have flashes and moments where he can look like himself, Blake Griffin. LaMarcus Aldridge, yeah, he was averaging 12 points for the San Antonio Spurs. But I tell you what, if the first week LaMarcus Aldridge for the Brooklyn Nets comes out and he average, he gets 20 points and like eight rebounds, then what? San Antonio Spurs are going to look like, like, you know, what's up with that? And then you got other teams out here that are just – it's just a, the NBA has something to, they have something to take care of and something they need to address in terms of the balance of the whole NBA. And it starts with obviously what the Brooklyn Nets have going on right now. Are you starting a little buyout conspiracy? 
Well, it's not even necessarily the, a buyout conspiracy, but it's like players are sort of tainting to get their way and get what they want, right? We've seen it with James Harden. Like, James Harden's playing MVP-level basketball, but where was that same energy in Houston? Like, you could have literally had that same energy in Houston with John Wall, Victor Oladipo, DeMarcus Cousins, Christian Woods. Like, that literally could be a good team. The Houston Rockets could be a good team. They probably could be a good team with James Harden, John Wall, Vic before the trade, Christian Woods. The way that team stood currently before all the trades and everything transpired with the Rockets, that probably could be a good team. But he forced his way out, James Harden. Now you look at this team now with Blake Griffin and LaMarcus Aldridge. And we we see what Blake Griffin has done as of late for the Nets. Like he can actually contribute to that team in a positive way. And I know LaMarcus Aldridge has plenty left. And he's going to be motivated to win a championship. So he's probably going to play like himself again. So it's just, I don't I don't like it. It's definitely weird. It's definitely weird to see these superstars teaming up. And I, I really have not historically had problems with superstars feeling like they should team up to, to try to create these super teams. But it's definitely weird that it's happening with these guys who were playing like crap on the teams that they were on before. As you said, Blake Griffin didn't dunk at all when he was on the Pistons this past year. And he goes in the first game with the Nets. He dunks the ball. So you, it does make you think, like, what what's going on here? These guys, were they purposely not really trying hard to force themselves out into a better situation? Was that something they were doing? Because that's just, that's bad. That's that's crappy to see them do something like that. So it definitely raises an eyebrow. But you do have to see if the Nets can actually do something with this because they still don't have Kevin Durant. And we're going to have to see how the chemistry and the lineups and how they play all together when everyone is fully healthy. And they have to make a playoff run. Because that's still yet to be seen, and there's going to be a lot of people who are rooting against the Nets. And I'm starting to be one of those people, Zach. I'm starting to be a oh, Nets yeah. hater. I'm I'm kind of sick and tired of, <laughs> of all of this stuff happening where they're all teaming up and doing stuff. Because Kevin Durant seemingly is it, – it, it's impossible for him to try to win a championship by himself. He can't do it. He doesn't want to do it. Yeah, it's like they're just it's like pickup ball. Like why do you have to have all the best players in order to win? Like, it's that bad to really start. Like, it's that hard to go up against the 36-year-old in, in L.A.? Like, it's that difficult. So you're telling me LeBron James is that good that you guys have to go basically create a Space Jam team in real life to <laughs> have the It's so weird. Yeah, it's 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 bizarre. And listen, Durant is – he's – you can't argue that he's one of the best two or three players on he's planet Earth. He's a Chico. He's a yeah. Chico. He's, he's one of, the, if not the best player in the NBA when he is fully healthy. So it's so weird to see him continuing to be on these teams where he feels like he just needs to have as much help as possible. It's weird. It's very weird. It's very alarming. I'm yeah. glad you address it that way, too. Yeah, it's just it, it's just bizarre for me to see because he's a. I enjoy so much watching Kevin Durant play basketball. It is Absolutely. unbelievably fun. He is an incredibly fun guy because he can hit a shot from anywhere on the court. He's, he's like that rare LeBron James level player where you just cannot game plan around him. There is there is no way to play defense against Kevin Durant because if he wants to score, he's going to score. <laughs> You're not going to stop Kevin Durant from scoring the basketball. So it's just bizarre to see him do that with the Warriors and to feel like he had to join the Warriors to win a championship and to leave Russ in OKC. And then it's weird that he, he go, he's going to the Nets and then it feels like he has to add all these players. And, and don't say that he doesn't have a say in this because he's obviously talking oh, yeah. to the Nets. He's talking to everyone and saying, you know, we should get these guys. 
you don't have Blake Griffin or LaMarcus Aldridge joining the Nets without Kevin Durant and James Harden and those guys saying, yeah, we want them on this team. That's just not happening. Now, last week, we had the trade deadline special. If you haven't catched that episode, make sure you catch that episode. But last week, we had the trade deadline special. And, you know, we've seen some players come out and perform well and some players still, you know, getting a feel for their new team. We do. And it's looking like some players are fitting really well. And namely, we'll start with Aaron Gordon because he looked like he fit in perfectly. He looked like he was playing with the Nuggets for years in his debut (laughs) against the Hawks. I mean, him and Jokic look like they have the deepest of chemistries already. The stat that really surprised me was Jokic had eight assists against the Hawks uh, in Aaron Gordon's debut game. Three of them went to Aaron Gordon, and they were all on cuts to the basket. And and those are the type of passes that you expect from, from teammates who have been playing together with each other for, you know, three, four years. And they look like they connected right away. Yeah, they did connect a few times. I'm glad you caught that. And then, uh, like I said, like you said, the creativity was there with the smart cutting and, you know, going back door and just the, the extra pass that Gordon would make throughout the game that I had saw in his debut. So, yeah, I definitely and the catch. He was shooting well. Now, I know they talk about, you know, his athleticism, but Aaron Gordon was knocking down some shots in his debut against Atlanta. And that's something that you want to see you know, to get that extra offense from them because they already saying that he's going to be able to provide from a defensive standpoint. You know, he was doing very well defensively around switches and everything like that on a defensive end. However, on the offensive end, being able to make shots on the, from the perimeter, I was I was glad I was able to see that from Aaron Gordon. Yeah, 13 points, two rebounds, one assist. The lineup of the core four of that team with Jokic and Murray and Michael Porter Jr. and Aaron Gordon was plus 17, plus 17 for against a Hawks team that we talked about in the past podcast, how they're playing much better. I mean, this is not a bad Atlanta Hawks team. So for them to be plus 17 and and to win by double digits is that's a really interesting glimpse into what the future of the Nuggets could be, because it was very clear to anyone who has been watching the Nuggets that they they clearly had what it takes to be a good playoff team, but they needed something more to push them over the edge. Maybe Aaron Gordon is the guy to do that. I think that also applies more pressure with the minutes for Michael Porter Jr., which also means I think he'll be able to step his game up even more too. Because remember Ooh, I said so. last week that you know that he's the key catalyst for that team to really get to that full potential that I believe that the Denver Nuggets want to be. I believe Michael Porter Jr. is the answer. And he played well in his last game too. When here's the question, because this is this is a question for you. And I'm asking myself this question to Zach would be when when do we stop believing that Michael Porter Jr. can be and, and reach his peak? Because I know you and me both. We, we said at the start of this season, we said he was going to be most improved. So we were clearly very high on him. But what what's going to make you say, all right, I need to stop believing that he can do more. I think when the minutes drop, but I, if his minutes drop and they decline, with the addition of Aaron Gordon, then I think that's I think that's when you will know why and we'll know the answer to that because you know he doesn't produce as much as we probably had hoped and that sort of thing. But right now, you know, through 36 games, he's shooting very well, about 44%, 16 and seven, you know, overall in the season. So I, you know, I think we probably were expecting around 20, 22 or something like that. But mm-hmm. if the scoring is going to be spread out for the Denver Nuggets, like we've seen throughout seasons before, and I think that's a, that's good as long as he's a good shot maker down the stretch and close games. Yeah, that's. I think that for me is the key is 
does Mike Malone trust him down oh, the stretch? Defense, defense. <laughs> defense That's what too. It really is. Defense. Got to yeah. play some defense. He could be such a good defender. He's six ten and 6'10". he's got an amazing wingspan. He's quick. Like he has all the utilities there to be a really good defender. And sometimes he just doesn't care. He doesn't try. He doesn't have the defensive <laughs> IQ. It's so I sad to see IQ, that happen. He just gets lost sometimes. And he's still young, remember. This is just is. a raw – this this is still a year two kid. He's still raw. You know, got a lot of room left to grow. He's still probably only not even 21 yet. And so when you look at that perspective, he still has room to grow and be that player that we were hoping to see early on. Yeah, he's he was a uh, he was a one-year player at Mizzou. So yeah. he, he's still got time. He's 22. He's going to be 23 this summer. So – if he doesn't start showing something next year that shows he has improved over the summer, gotten to the next level, I think for me, I'm going to have to say I'm out on him. But I'm, I'll give him a little bit more of a chance. I'll give him a little bit more of a chance. And I think he can work within the framework that the Nuggets are trying to give him because they're really not putting a lot on his plate. They're saying <laughs> you, you you need to be the third, maybe now with Aaron Gordon, the fourth best player on this team right now. That's not that high of a bar for someone like him to live up to. I'm aiming for third best. Third best. That'd be lovely. It'd be great to see that. Denver would be so good. Um, some other moves that we were tracking. We saw Dr- uh, Andre Drummond uh, got bought out by the Cavs. He's going to go to the L.A. Lakers now. He's going to be part of that really interesting looking front court uh, with Marcus Saul, <laughs> Montrez Harrell, Anthony Davis. Um, his fit is is certainly interesting. Um, I think he has a very specific role for this team that he can fulfill, but on the outside, when you've looked at what he's done this past year or two, you just don't know if you're going to get the passive Drummond or you're going to get the Drummond that is is very invested in the game and, and a guy who could really make a difference. Well, and you see why like this. You, you, oh, you yeah, think I'm, he's an excellent yeah. fit. Excellent fit. Great fit. Because they he's get what they're getting, the Los Angeles Lakers, is something they desperately need. Los Angeles need the Los Angeles Lakers need more defense. Wow, Anthony Davis and LeBron James is out. And they definitely need more rebounding. Guys on the glass. So that checks a box with Andre Drummond. And then he's going to do all the little things. He's going to get second chance possessions on both offense. And he's going to limit your the opponent from getting more opportunities too because of his rebounding ability. So, you know, that's 14 rebounds career average right there with Andre Drummond being in the league only 10 years, 27 years of age. You know, he's going to perform like the Andre Drummond we've seen 15 points, 13 rebounds, probably off the bench as well. And then he's going to provide great minutes right now while Anthony Davis and LeBron James is out. I think it's going to do wonders because he's, we've seen moments with Drummond these last two seasons where he can get 20 points, 20 rebounds. He's done it multiple occasions over the last two seasons. Then you've got to mention, too, he was playing in Cleveland. This L.A. now, baby. This is palm <laughs> trees. This is the beach. Like, this is going to look a little different than Cleveland. Everyone gets better when they leave the Rust Belt. You get Blake <laughs> Griffin leaving Detroit, plays better on the East Coast. Now you're getting Andre Drummond leaving Cleveland, going out West. Maybe being on the team that is going to be competing for a finals spot is, is going to change him. It's certainly possible. And when you talk about players getting bought out too, you, you always think, you know, mid thirties, lower thirties. And you have Andre Drummond, you said it 27 years old. The guy should theoretically be in the middle of his prime right now, if not entering it. So there's certainly a spot for him on the Lakers. He is an absolutely terrible post-up player. I was reading this about <laughs> him the other day. He is second to last in points per possession 
in the post when he's trying to post someone up. You know who's last? Who's I don't last? know if you'd ever guess. It'd be Russell Westbrook. Okay, that makes sense. Because he's probably fading away from player. the basket. <laughs> he's probably yeah. fading away from the basket, planking baskets. Yeah. So it's Russ and Andre Drummond, just two terrible post-up players. But he is really good at the high post. He's he's a decent passer, a little bit more than decent, too, sometimes from the high post. So he, him and, uh, and Anthony Davis could form a really good high-low passing game. I mean, that could be really dangerous if you post Drummond in the high post, one of the elbows, you have Anthony Davis down low, um, and you have a guard on the perimeter. That could be a really dangerous trio for the Lakers to run. He's also really good at handoffs, and he's a pretty solid pick-and-roll player. So... I think what the Lakers did essentially with this role is hopefully they get the better form of Drummond that we've seen, you know, three or four years ago. And then you also get the Drummond that could just help your offense be more dynamic, give them more ways to beat the defense. And I think that's ultimately what his role is going to be. And if that is his role, if it's if it's more of a restricted role, if it allows him to be more efficient and not be, you know, the number one or two scorer on the team, which he doesn't need to be, I think it is an excellent fit if that's going to be the role that he accepts. Oh, yeah. I think I think he'll accept this role right away. And that role that you described is the perfect fit. And you got to mention Mark Gasol, too, because, you know, he's a willing passer, a great passer for a big man, too, as well for the Los Angeles Lakers. And so, yeah, they're going to be able to do a lot with those front court guys. You know, they'll be, And that's kind of what they're I think they were aiming for, too, as they look down the road for the playoffs. Think about the matchups, potentially. You know, you got a Rudy Gobert. You got a Nikola Jokic. You have a... Uh, Nurkish that could potentially come back for the Blazers. So having yeah. these front court pieces can be important down the stretch as you look towards the postseason. Yeah, that's a really good point because you know the Nets, right? On in the East Coast, they're looking to probably <laughs> thinking they're going to play the Lakers in the finals if they make the finals. So they're loading up on what front court players? They're loading up on Blake Griffin. They're loading up on LaMarcus Aldridge, and they're hoping those two guys will be able to do something against Anthony Davis, at least get him out of his rhythm or whatever they they expect him to do. But it's very clear what the Nets are preparing for, and that's the big guys on the Lakers. And now the Lakers just got another potential really good big guy who could score, and and those dribble handoffs to the guards are really important. It's just unfortunate that he's not going to be able to get chemistry with LeBron or Anthony Davis right away. Um, maybe it'll happen in the next month or so if, if, if LeBron comes back on the early window of that four to six weeks that he's supposed to be out. So maybe he'll develop chemistry right before the playoffs, but... They're gonna have to. They're gonna have to do something on the fly once the playoff starts. And, and LeBron and Anthony Davis are fully healthy. Other players that are just coming into their teams, and unfortunately, Zach, Chicago Bulls. <laughs> we saw Vucevic right. and Alfred Camino uh, play on the Bulls for the first time, and it was uh, it wasn't great against the Spurs. It wasn't great. They didn't look like they had the chemistry going. It very much looked like a team that was trying to get three or four new guys to play in a lineup. So. It's understandable that the chemistry wasn't there right away, but hopefully it's not a little window into the future of what how poorly the team can play. That's true. You know, 31 minutes for Vucevic, 21 points, 9 rebounds in his debut. In a loss, you know, he was minus 16 overall in the game. But what I will say is there is some promise. You know, I think I think they just got off to a rough start in the game and were just trying to play catch up from the jump. I think in their next outing, it'll look a little different. Yeah, it looked like a team that was just trying to figure out how to get everyone involved, how mm-hmm. to get Vucevic involved and Alfaruk Aminu involved. Um, Troy Brown came in a little bit and played pretty well, actually, too. He might be a fun player for the Bulls rotation-wise. 
So it, it looked like a team that was just figuring itself out, a team that you see, you know, first day of the NBA, second game in the mm-hmm. NBA type of thing. So hopefully with a couple of days off, they play uh, the Warriors as we record tonight on Monday night. So hopefully we see a bit of a better outing from them against the Warriors. I'm not worried just yet. I think if we see a couple games where they start to struggle, I may start to raise the alarms, but I think the future really is still bright for Chicago. I think Vucevic and Levine are very excited to work together. That's big too, because they can be a really dangerous pick and roll combo. And if they continue to build that chemistry together, ooh, Zach, it's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. <laughs> They're going to be a fun playoff team. I also Pick put a bet on the, on the bulls to make the playoffs this year. So ooh. I got some financial implications on the Bulls playing well this season. Um, the final player I wanted to mention, Norman Powell, 22 points in his debut for the Blazers. He He's a really good fit for that team. Yeah, it's it's kind of strange because it's like they need more wing scoring and a guy like Norman Powell who looks like he can get his own basket and he can catch and shoot as well. That does give them an elevation on offense for the Blazers. You know, then they got Melo coming off the bench too. And so and when Dame is tired and when CJ, you know, is tired, they're going to need, you know, guys who can provide that offensive spark. And that's what Norman Powell has done in his first two games, averaging 17, 18 points in his first two games with the Blazers. Yeah, I just wanted to mention him, too, because I don't think we really hit on his trade to the Blazers <laughs> in our trade deadline special. But it was a pretty significant move. It's the Blazers clearly feel like they're like right at the line of being able to be serious contenders. And I don't know if the Norman Powell move really puts them over the edge, but it definitely inches them closer to being as good of a team as they can be with the roster that they have. And they're getting Nurkic back and they're going to be able to get a more healthy roster as, as the stretch goes down. That's all you really ask for as the Blazers, because every season they're dealing with injuries. So, you know, at some point you got to say once they're fully healthy, maybe this team can do something. And then Norman Powell just has to remember that he plays for the Blazers and not the Raptors. Yes. <laughs> yes. Know, he, I, don't yeah. I don't know if you saw that. <laughs> yeah. Lining up. Uh, it was Blazers Raptors and he lined up on the Raptors side by accident. Out of habit. I get it. It's understandable. It was very funny to see him, though, because he didn't even react. He was like, oh, crap. Lined up on the wrong side. Got to go to the other one. Old <laughs> habits die hard with Norman Powell. Let's try to win some people some money. Yeah, let's do it. Best team against the spread continues to be the Phoenix Suns, Zach. Continues. And in the standings, they are number two. Man, listen, Monty Williams has to be considered, I'm telling you, coach of the year, man. They're yeah. playing absolutely well. They've won seven out of their last ten. Phoenix Suns are rolling. And I think they probably should be one of those teams that are on the underside, too. They're probably one of the best teams on the underside. So I would consider that too, listeners with the Phoenix Suns. I would definitely consider the under for the Phoenix Suns because their games have been low scoring as of late, but they've been covering too as well. Yeah, they're definitely a, um, they're a good defensive team and they're, they do struggle sometimes offensively. So I, I think that the underplay for them is really good. Mm-hmm. Um, and we'll get to some of the top unders, but it's weird how they can go through like scoring issues because they are one of the best teams in the NBA and they still sometimes have trouble scoring at times. And I don't know if that's going to hurt them in the playoffs or if it's something that's going to fix them in the playoffs, but it's certainly something to keep your eye on. If you're betting them under is always a good move. I would say they are, let's see, I'm trying to figure out what 
under wise. Yeah, they're they're on the lower third of unders. They they have 21 overs, 24 unders this season. So their under hits over 50% of the time. So you're probably going to win the under if you bet the under for the Phoenix Suns. Um, surprise though, Zach. New York Knicks third against the spread <laughs> in the NBA. I'll, let me let me just say that again because it's so historic. The New York Knicks are third in the NBA against the spread. 27-18 and 1. This is a Knicks team that covers. <laughs> they may not win, but they're covering. Hey, right now, they're sitting fourth in the East. They are. Let me, let me repeat myself. The New York <laughs> Knickerbockers are <laughs> two games above 500 and are fourth in the East currently of this recording of this podcast. This is a team that we have trolled for about 18 months of doing this podcast now. And it's unbelievable to really say, Ben, that the New York Knicks are fourth in the East. I'm not saying that we have to go making deep apologies just yet, (laughs) but it is looking like they're going to make the playoffs. And if they do something in the playoffs, Zach, I think we do have to find a way to apologize to all New York Knicks fans out there for making fun of the Knicks the past 18 months of this podcast. (laughs) Because maybe the Knicks are back. The NBA where the Knicks are back. Man, we haven't seen that in almost a decade. In about, what, eight years? 2013-ish. So yeah, Melo. Melo and uh, now new IU head coach Mike Woodson. (laughs) (laughs) He was coaching the Knicks to playoff playoff berth. So, listen, if if you have the history of just staying away from the Knicks betting-wise... They're against spread record doesn't lie. They're a team that plays hard. They cover. And I know like what midway through the season, Zach, we were talking about how they were undervalued and we had Ben Heisler on at the start of the season from sports illustrated. We'll have to have him back. Yeah. He told us fade the Knicks ride with the Knicks. He said, ride with the Knicks. They're going to be undervalued to start the season. I think they were still undervalued midway through the season. And I think they're going to be some points even up until the playoff start that they will continue to be undervalued. They were they started as eight and a half point underdogs to the Bucks. Now there were some injury issues with the Bucks who sat some players and Julius Randle didn't play, but they still covered. So it, it this is a team that plays hard. Thibodeau has them playing hard every single game. Their their defense always keeps them in it. This is this is a solid team to bet on, I think. Solid team to bet on. And Julius Randle, as long as he can stay healthy, this team will continue to be in the playoff hunt. And you can always count on them so far to ride out with that under and that spread. Yeah. Lakers on or Knicks unders, Knicks spreads. Way to go. Now, who's the worst team against the spread? And I think for like the fifth week in a row. (laughs) Look how casually you say it for like the fifth week in a row. The Houston Rockets are 14 and 31 against the spread, but they're just not a good basketball team right now (laughs) overall in general. They've only won 13 games this year, so they're not doing very well at all. They did win a game recently, so, you know, kudos to the Rockets for winning their 13th game. They got Christian Wood back. They do got my main man's Christian Woods. Look, look, player prop-wise, Check out my man's Christian Woods. He might win you some money. He might win you some money. No guarantees, but he might. If you like his numbers, consider them. Yeah, I would stay, still stay away from the Rockets. They're, <laughs> man, they're just terrible. They're so bad. Do nothing with the Rockets except that Christian Wood player props, and I think you'll be okay. <laughs> Who's the best over now, team and continues to be the best over team? 
surprisingly, but not really. Well, no, I won't say surprisingly because the the big fella has been. I'll, and I'll say big fella. I I will say that the big fella has been playing very well. That's the New Orleans Pelicans. So you know what big fella I'm talking about. I'm talking about Zion Williamson. Zion Williamson has played out of his mind in the last like four games. He's dropped like 38, 39. 27, 30, but he's shooting over 65% in all of those games. If we have to go on an apology tour, Zach, I think we have to go on a Zion apology tour. I think it has to happen, and I don't want to do it. (laughs) I don't want to come out and say I was wrong about Zion, but he's looked really good. He has the point forward thing has worked for them while uh, Lonzo has been out, so I will say that. Um, well, they haven't won a lot of games, but they've they've been in games, and you know Zion is playing relatively well, very well. Baby Shaq, you know, we're just gonna say it right now. He's Baby Shaq. He's wow. not Shaq 2.0 or anything like that, but he's Baby Shaq because he's he height, but he has the size. He's way past him. <laughs> he's way past Baby Glenn Davis. Way past him in terms of talent and ability. But like Zion, yeah, he's Baby Shaq for sure. He's unstoppable right now. You know, and yes. he's just a raw talent. He hasn't really even figured out the full game of basketball just yet. We're just going straight off, you know, freakish ability and athleticism, you know. So once he learns the game, you know, year three, year four, year five, the future is only going to get brighter for Zion and the New Orleans Pelicans. The man, he can't even drink alcohol legally. <laughs> he's 20 years old. So... I think he's going I'm I'm finally realized the past few weeks what everyone apparently was saying a year, two years ago it's about Zion. Health, though, but it was always about health in my in my it, eyes. Sure, that's true. He's shown that he can stay pretty healthy. Mm-hmm. At least right now. And hopefully age doesn't interfere with that, but power or point guard Zion Williamson looks really good. And he's really <laughs> fun. Too. He's just explosive. He's fun. He's in the zone right now. And New Orleans, I think, realizes that. And and I think they're going to be a really good team in the next couple of years if they can figure out some other spots on that roster. Uh, the best under team is the Lakers. The Lakers continue to slam those unders, 16-31. <laughs> um, and Houston is the second most unders, as we said, because they just can't score. They can't score the basketball, so they're going to be in a lot of games that hit the under. Um, and the Lakers' defense helps them hit the unders as well. So if you're looking for the under, go Lakers-Houston. You're looking for the over, go New Orleans games. Um, you're probably going to uh, hit those in the long run. Do we go to NBA Twitter, Zach? What is Twitter talking about this week, buddy? What it do, baby? James Harden is, as he always is, saying stuff that people laugh at. <laughs> and James Harden says he was the MVP. He thinks he's the MVP this season. Now, he's I, been playing well. i tell you what I did. He hasn't playing well, and I'm gonna tell you what I did. You know, it's so crazy because after I saw that comment, right? I gotta tell you what I did, because it's me. It's me who did it. I put five dollars to win like ninety bucks on James Harden to win MVP. Oh my God! You believe? <laughs> you you're drinking the Kool Aid. You believe? I... <laughs> it's just, you know what? It sucks that I did it because after I did it, I was like, I don't know why I did this. I don't even like James Harden, <laughs> but he's playing. <laughs> yeah, but it's like he's played out of his mind. He's leading the league in assists right now. 
He's playing relatively well for the for the best for the second best team in the East. So it's just like, why not, right? You know, the context is there, but it's like he's and he would be the first player in NBA history to get traded and win MVP too. And he's leading that team right now with Kyrie, who's been out a few games, probably is going to return soon. And then KD obviously being out. But then it's like, does that tarnish the argument with all these monsters? Right. I, I don't know. That's a great question. I, I, I don't I don't know where I would put Harden in the MVP race. I don't think he would be top three for Ooh, me right I like, now. I like that. But I mean, I, I could be convinced. I, I could someone could make a really good argument to have James Harden as a, a top three MVP candidate. He's been playing really well the past couple weeks, but there's been players that have been playing better than him and that are more responsible for their team's success than he is. Like and, and maybe I'm letting the fact that he's just one of, you know, three superstars on that team and behind Kyrie Irving and, and Kevin Durant type of guy that, that is clouding my judgment and not, and not seeing him in the correct light. But to me, he, he doesn't feel like an MVP candidate this year. He feels like he is. But people were, were yelling at him on Twitter about it and laughing at him about it. But I'm sure there's someone out there that could make a convincing case for him to be considered an MVP candidate. Yeah, he's lead, like I said, he's leading the league in assists. Yeah. He's playing. He's probably scoring like 28 points a game since, you know, Kyrie and KD have been, have been out. So, yeah, the case is probably there. Second in the East. Joel has been out. LeBron has been out. You know, but Dame, Damian Lillard, he hasn't missed too many games. You know, he's probably only missed two games or so. And I think one was because of back to back where he had just went off. So he yeah. probably needed the rest. And he does. He does more with less. You know, I like and that's my whole argument for MVP right now is more with less. And who has done more with less and has been available? Steph has been out, you know, no LeBron, obviously no Anthony Davis, you know, so. No KD, and KD was up there in the beginning, but he's been out, so. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing, too, is what's your definition of MVP? Is it the best player on the best team in the NBA? Because then you could say, you know, maybe it's Donovan Mitchell or Rudy Gobert, or maybe James Harden makes the case if you think the Nets are the best team in the NBA. (laughs) But if you think it's the guy that does the most with the least amount of, of help around him and still carries his team into the playoffs... Well, then you'd have to say maybe Dame is the guy in that instance. So it's it's tough. And you, and you look at Harden's uh, advanced statistics, and they're okay. He's having a pretty efficient season. He's 25 PER. His usage uh, is is not the highest it's been, but it's certainly middle of the road for, for what he usually is this season. So it's tough. It's it's tough to kind of see how he compares to other guys and and maybe the judgment of just how crazy the Nets roster is clouds how good he's been doing. I don't know. I'd like to see people tweet at us or make the case for for James Harden. If there's if there's people that listen to this podcast that are very hardcore James Harden stands, tweet at us why you think James Harden should be the MVP. Because I'd <laughs> like to hear it. I'm going to keep an open mind for it. But I would like to hear the case for James Harden to be the MVP this season. Um, Draymond Green talking about stuff again on Twitter. Zach, it's always fun to hear him say things because you can laugh at it and have a good time. Uh, he he said KD, uh, he told KD that the Warriors didn't need him to win, which personally I think is hysterical. I think that's very funny. And I go, I'm someone who goes day in and day out, like loving Draymond and hating Draymond, just depending on what he says and what he does. But that comment made me laugh very hard. <laughs> well, he always says that because... Remember, they won the first time without him. So because of that, he's always going to believe that. 
Now yep. that's fair for him to believe that because they they won a championship without him, and then he came over and led the team to another championship because obviously he was the best player on the team. Nevertheless, but you know Draymond's gonna always ride that you know forever, and he currently has what one more championship than him, so he's probably gonna ride that too unless <laughs> you know KD yep. comes out and wins this year. But that ain't what that's not what's bothering me from Draymond Green. It's the other comment that has me kind of bothered saying that he is the best defensive player of all time in NBA history. Draymond Green. Man. What a crazy thing to say. Only Draymond would say something like that. It was hysterical for me because it's like, all right, so you're telling me. You're not even better than Dwight Howard, in my opinion. Like, in his prime, you're not better than Dwight Howard. Like, easy. No. And that's not even to say – Ben Wallace. Like, there's so many guys I could name. Sergi Baca in his prime. You're probably not better defender than Sergi Baca in his prime. Uh, let's see. Who else? Dennis Rodman. Come on now. It's like, are we really doing this right now? Are we doing this? <laughs> yeah. It's it's like, what are you saying? Like, I get you have to support yourself and, and all that, but Draymond, come on, man. Come on, what are you saying? Why, why are you, why have you become the person that just says stuff? It's wild to me. And then nobody respects the Jazz. <laughs> nobody no, no respects one. the Utah Jazz being just one of your teams. You know that that you kind of aim high a little bit on. You want you kind of be wanting me to, you know, root for Rudy Gobert to be. You know, you, you believe you want me to really believe that he's, you know, the man. You know that true peace over there in Utah. Mm-hmm. I believe no, in them. I love the jazz, but nobody respects them. No, <laughs> it's weird. It's you're seeing people really just not believe. It. And, I, and I understand it because the jazz historically in the past couple of years, they've been good and they have the pieces and it seems like they, they could make a run and then they just fizzle out. You know, they can't beat the nuggets or they, they can't beat a team that you'd think they beat in a series and they just don't perform when you need them to perform. Now, you have an older and a wiser Donovan Mitchell. You have a Rudy Gobert who's in his prime, who's at his peak. You have a coach that has made coaching adjustments to the way his team plays, where it seems like they're just shooting an insane amount of three-pointers a game, and it's fitting them. It's winning them games. So I think you put all of that together, and you have to believe in the Jazz. You have to, uh, until they tell you otherwise this season. This is the the best jazz team that we will see in this form, I believe, which is everything coming together in the right way. Doc Rivers, former Western conference coach, now coaching the Philadelphia 76ers. Well, he came out and he said, Lakers and the Clippers are still the teams <laughs> to be out in the West. Just dismissing yeah. Utah jazz, you know, Utah jazz, 34 and 11, Best team in the NBA right now. Best team in the West. Clippers are the third seed. Lakers are the fourth seed. And Doc Rivers said, Clippers, Lakers, team B in the West. <laughs> That's insane. That's It's just like, come on. Be realistic here. The Jazz are going to be dangerous in the playoffs. And if you don't know that by now, I'm a little worried. A little hey, worried you, about Doc. Hey, you, LeBron James, all-star. Remember what he's – hey, last two players that were picked, Utah Jazz players. Why don't, why don't nobody respect Utah well, just, Jazz? They don't like them because they whine. They're the best team in the NBA, and they're whining about the officiating and saying the officiating is against them. You can't be saying that when you have one of the best records in the league. 
You can't say that the league and the officials are against you when you're just dominating everyone. You can't do that. That That is just not a good look for them. De'Aaron Fox, he went off last week. He was a Western Conference Player of the Week. Love it. About time De'Aaron Fox gets some respect. Honestly. Yeah, I had to, yeah, I had to you know, give him some, show him some love on the pod today. Yeah, he deserves it. He's been stuck in, in, in a crappy Sacramento situation for a while. Yeah. yeah. 44 points last week. Then he dropped like 36 the other night with like 20 points in the fourth quarter. So, yeah, he went off last week. He had like 147 points last I week. I mean, this total. He, he's been great. I mean, this is a guy, too, if you just look at his raw stats, he's done exactly what you want someone to do. He has improved every year since he entered That's the good. NBA at the, at the age of 20. His points per game has gone up. His shooting efficiency, uh, for the most part, has gone up. Um, every single year, he's taken more field goals, and his field goal percentage continues to go up. So, I mean, he's someone who's clearly improved year in and year out, statistics-wise. They just – Sacramento just can't figure it out front office-wise. <laughs> They're struggling with Marvin Bagley and his dad, which you never want to see a team struggling with a player's parents. That's like what you see in high school. Um, so it's he's just in a bad situation. I would love to see him in a bigger market, and I don't want to be that Stephen A. Smith guy where it's like trade him to New York, give him to the Knicks, let's see him go to a big market. But I would like to see him leave Sacramento to see him go to a team that that can build around him and use his strengths, and he can actually get some publicity. That would be fun to watch. A team like Chicago. I mean, Chicago. I wouldn't be against it. I wouldn't, wouldn't be against, be against it. Yeah. <laughs> That would be a dream. He's the playmaker the Bulls need. I love Lonzo. I would love Lonzo to come to the Bulls. Um, and I think that may happen over the summer. But if they can get De'Aaron Fox, which is impossible, but if they could, <laughs> that would be great. I would love that. I would buy his jersey. Uh, let's do stat of the week. Of the week, this week is a hilarious stat. It's nothing. Zero. Zilch. <laughs> nothing. No stat zero. of the week. Just zero. That's the stat of the week. The stat of the week is zero because a player came out and played 44 minutes. And I want everybody to understand, if you watch NBA basketball and you follow the league and you follow this podcast, then you know it's 48 minutes and a quarter and a player Named P.J. Washington played 44 minutes and did not score a point <laughs> in all of those minutes <laughs> in a 48-minute stretch. 48 minutes, he played 44, zero points. That's wild. That is uh, that's a yikes. <laughs> that's a big yikes for me. We have a new cardio king. <laughs> we do. <laughs> That's true, we do. Man, and P.J. Washington has been pretty solid this year. He's shown improvement. He has. He definitely has shown improvement. And I had some people tell me that, man. P.J. Washington, he sucked. I said, no, he just had a bad, bad game. He he was just doing a whole lot of running around. (laughs) I'm very glad that we devoted the end of this episode to just absolutely crap on P.J. Washington. I respect (laughs) it. That's my man, though. You know, he went to Kentucky. Uh, He's playing well. Year two guy. But... Last week, he just had an off night. 0 for 7 from, from the field, 0 for 4 from 3. He did make a free throw, 0 for 2. He just could not put the ball in the rim <laughs> from nowhere. Sometimes you have nights like that. Imagine if you bet his player prop, how absolutely furious you would be. Oh, you'd be super upset. You couldn't get a bucket, but wait. <laughs> if you took the under 
for anything in terms of points. You'd have to quit gambling. You'd have to. Then you're doing real good if you took the under for P.J. Washington. You were doing real good. (laughs) Because he just did a whole lot of up and down, suicides, basically, just up and down the court. He cardio (laughs) king. The man just just went to the game, got a workout, and left. You got to (laughs) respect it. You got to respect the fan, P.J. Washington. So that's going to conclude this edition of the Points to the Pay podcast presented by Stadium, the number one NBA podcast. This is Zach Badgerhouse, Ben Wittenstein, my main man. Make sure you follow both of us on Twitter. Follow Shams on Twitter for all your NBA coverage and news. Make sure you follow Points Paint on Twitter and on Facebook. Check out the Facebook page, always dropping clips and also just Friendly debates, too, as well on uh, the Facebook page. So be on the lookout for that. We're going to have upcoming guests in the near future. So make sure you tune in and we'll be back next week.